everyone agrees, bacon makes everything better. Even marketing. This is the Bacon Podcast, where you'll learn to cure your marketing. And make your business. I can't believe I said that. Internet marketing. Online marketing. Social media tips and techniques. Now, to help you bring more bacon home, the master of marketing sizzle, Brian Basilico. This is the Bacon Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps. I am, like, uber excited. I've got an incredible guest. He happens to be one of the guys I listen to in my earballs, which is his term, all the time when I'm walking my dog, Buddy Guy. He has an incredible podcast called The Solopreneur Hour, and his name is Michael O'Neill. Michael, man, how you doing? Dude, I'm great. It smells like bacon. That's awesome. Yes. And now you're in your studio and I've, I've watched you live on Facebook and stuff like that. You've got the most wicked setup, man, from the audiophile gear to your drums to padding to all that stuff. It is just it's really awesome. Dig it, dig it, dig it. Yeah, it's I have a lot of blinky lights, Brian. Yes, you do. And you, I mean, I still consider it higher end because you do your podcast a little higher end than most people do because, I mean, you've got a mixer, incredible mic, you're doing everything direct to Zoom. I mean, you've got the technology thing down. And, you know, when you do that, I geek out because I'm a recording studio <laughs> geek. You know, it's what I do. Right. So, okay. So, number one, I know you're a drummer, man. That's, that's totally cool. You are a drummer. You're passionate about your drums. Number that's two. True. You've got one of the hottest podcasts on the internet, the Solopreneur Hour. And number three, we know that you're completely unemployable. So, yes, all those things. So, what did you do before, man? Where did you start? Because I know you were a designer and you worked for a bunch of things. Were you designing like print? Were you doing websites? And then, how did you get into the whole Solopreneur Hour and, you know, find all these great drumming gigs and all that stuff? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I did a lot of web and print for 15 years and a lot of branding stuff. And, it's weird. I think working with clients is one of those things that almost forces you into, oh, you know what? I'm going to do this for myself. I don't want to have to do with client, deal with clients anymore. Um, yeah, you know, it's agency work is interesting because as a designer, it's kind of like being a musician and someone telling you, I don't like the music you're playing. Can you play it differently? And you're like, dude, this is the music that's coming out of me right mm-hmm. now. So it's not your music. It's my music. Um so I think, you know, I did that from, I started doing web stuff in 94 is when I started. I did my first commercial website for Body Therapy Associates, which was gotyourback.com. It was 1994. And, um, you know, I, I did web stuff. I lived in Boulder, Colorado and did that for six, seven years, I think. Uh, you know, for I, I worked for a, a magazine publishing company and then worked for a design agency. And then I left there in 2000 and I started freelancing for a few years. And I think I did that for about four years until I got recruited off the couch by this startup. And I realized about, you know, because it was a fun startup at the beginning. It was, you know, the the beer, you know, beer 30 on Fridays and a foosball table and the whole thing. And then they got invested in by this big company. And then all of a sudden it turned into board meetings and, you know, uh, hierarchy and things like that. And I realized somewhere along those lines, I think maybe reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad for the first three times that I had become unemployable. And and I, I didn't know what to do with it, but I knew that I didn't want to work in that environment anymore. And I didn't want this kind of middle manager that didn't have a fraction of my experience or skill to be able to tell me what to do and how to do my job. You know what I mean? So... It was, 
that was kind of the onus of it is is you know that kind of got me out of that situation and then i had this you know um i had really a, a life reset between really 2004 and 2009 when my parents got really sick and ill and they passed away and it was like at that point, I realized what was important for me in my life, and it wasn't going to work when it was dark and coming home when it was dark, which is what happened when I lived in Colorado. It was like right. I'd go, you know, I'd go to work at six o'clock in the morning, six thirty, whatever it was, and it'd be dark out, and I'd come home at five, and it would be dark out. And my dog was like, "What's going on?" You know. So mm -hmm. that was kind of the deal. Was was I at, at that point? I didn't know what I didn't want to do. Uh, I'm rather opposite. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I didn't. I did know what I didn't want to do, which was ever work uh, an hour for a dollar again. So, that's kind of began this new journey. Was August 2009 was like, all right, I'm going to start saying yes to things and looking at opportunities and learning a bunch of new things. And that's really when I officially became a solopreneur. Was 2009. Very cool. And I remember when I worked at Arthur Anderson, we used to have meetings to plan the donuts we were going to have for meetings. Yeah. Um, it was like, oh, I remember man. Arthur. Wasn't that a consulting company? Yeah, yeah. And it's based yeah. in, I'm in Aurora, Illinois, and uh, their main uh, training center was in St. Charles. And I got uh, basically cherry picked by a headhunter. I was working at an agency huh. um, doing. I'm certain, Brian, that I've done work for, for Arthur Anderson. I'm positive. I did design work for them in like 2000 or something like that, or, or 99. So. You, you left the job, you decide, okay, I don't want to trade hours for dollars, which man, everybody I think wants to do. But how did you, how did you kind of like morph yourself into something? I mean, number one, you get, you started a podcast, right? You, you know, you started doing coaching, you started doing a whole bunch of other things. What was the, uh, what was the inspiration behind all of that stuff? Who did you talk to? What, what did you, what did you start to follow other than reading the books you talk about? Like your, your super seven or whatever you call it. Back to my sexy seven. Um, yeah, I, there was there was no it was an evolution more than anything, and it was I think very subtle and it was very uh, when you when you look at it from a twenty thousand foot view, you go oh yeah of course that's how it worked. It, you know it was it was the same thing we continue to share with people that follow us, which is hey first and foremost you know start surrounding yourself with people that are are doing what you what you want to do or you know you got to start getting out there you've got to start building relationships so. It was event after event after event after event was really where it started. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I started following Pat Flynn in 2010 is when I learned about him. And he was really, if I had to look at my catalyst for a lot of my success, it, was, it really traces back to him. And um, just because, you know, not only following his model, but seeing that it, it could be done and that kind of thing. But he also personally was, was very, uh, I, I don't want to say mentorial to me. He wasn't in that kind of one-on-one -on -one way, but he was always very nice. He was always gracious. He always introduced me to his, his friends and things like that. And, you know, ultimately it's up to us to build the relationships that will, that will uh, foster our success down the road. You know, you find that when people say, you, you know, it's the cliche of you're the, you're the product of the five people you spend the most time with. Yep. It, it's up to you to, to get to those people. And one of the things I did early before I had any money or had any idea of what I was going to do for a living, I was still doing some freelance web stuff. This is probably 2010. And I created something I, I call Starbitrage and Barbitrage now, which is 
instead of, you know, so I would, I like to be amongst my people. I like to go out in the world and, you know, work from a coffee shop versus going, just staying at home. Because again, the more successful people you talk to, the more they will tell you relationships are the majority of the reasons uh, behind their success. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's relationships. It's a, it's a connection with a single person often that gives you, just sees that you have a, a drive and a hustle and they want to give you an opportunity and they put you in a position to win. And, you know, if you execute, if you're good at it, uh, then, you know, your life can change drastically. So it's up to us to build as many relationships as we can and really be out there and, and gracious. So I never liked to just to be home, you know, working, you know, in my mom's basement kind of thing. So I would go to uh, coffee shops and I realized at some point that, you know, and when I was at my local coffee shop and I'm kind of looking around going, all right, well, there's like the, the homeless guy and there's the, you know, college kid who's studying for nursing school and, you know, it's otherwise empty. Why am I here? Because this is not where the successful people are hanging out. So where would they be hanging out? At the time, I lived in Denver, Colorado. So I said, all right, I'm going to go to Cherry Creek. And Cherry Creek was the is the fancy neighborhood of Denver. It's like where the athletes from the Broncos and and uh, the basketball team that I uh, Nuggets live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's where a lot of the wealthy people in Denver are located. So if they're going to go to a coffee shop, they're going to go right in their neighborhood. So why don't I be in their neighborhood, first and foremost? So I'm going to go there first because I know that they're successful, right? And then same drill. So I'd go and, you know, and I would have conversations with people. And you find when you're in that environment that they're moving and shaking, that they're, they're actually doing things that are furthering their life. And at some point, when you get around successful people, you realize that it's, the, it's not the money that made them successful. The money certainly helps and you can pay bills with it. But these are people that generally are looking to give back and they're looking to help others and they're looking to, you know, uh, you know, rising tide lift all boats. They're sort of looking for that that uh, impact on the world at all times. So when you have conversations with those kinds of people, they're genuinely often saying things like, you know, what can I do to help you? How can you? Would you like to come to this event? Or would you know? They see potential in hustle, is what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I would do that at the coffee shop, and then at about four thirty, I would go to same neighborhood. I would go to you know, um, like a high end hotel steakhouse or um you know anything like that some kind of i would I'd go to this place earl's which is this nice you know seafood house and i would uh go to happy hour and i'd get like a six or seven dollar glass of wine and i'd put it on the counter and i'd put my laptop up and i'd start working i just crank away for a couple hours and within an hour or two the most successful people in you know in the city were around me and they're drinking and they're talking and they're having fun and the one thing is is that Success recognizes hustle. So they'll, they'd always stop me and say, hey, what do you, you know, because it's weird. It's a weird juxtaposition to see right. a bunch of people partying, partying, and then you got one person at the bar on a laptop just kind of doing their thing. But, but you know, and, and when I would have those conversations, you have to, A, be prepared for them. you got to know what you're going to say when that's going to happen, and that's something we can talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found myself, you know, suddenly a number of times either sitting at the dinner table excuse me sitting at the dinner table with them uh it's some fancy place where they're picking up the tab uh, i ended up on a yacht once i ended up at a country club uh, golf course party like under a tent once nice. all from doing that someone that said literally hey 
we're getting out of here. We're going to this thing. Come with us. I want to I hear more about social media. Because I was doing a lot of social media training at the time. And, you know, I'd be talking to, the, like, the CEO of Wells Fargo in Colorado or something, you know. And he'd be like, oh, come join us for steak. And, you know, I could give a strategy. And all of a sudden, I've got this little side gig where I'm coming into their office and I'm training a ton of people on social media. And that's the kind of thing that can happen when you're around successful people that don't need any middle management to make decisions. They just go, you know what? You're super talented. I want to hire you. Come into our office and do this thing for me. And that wouldn't have happened if I weren't at that steakhouse at happy hour. That's arbitrage. That is awesome. And uh, my first book, Bacon, it's called, uh, it's not about you, it's about bacon relationship marketing in a social media world is all about that. But the Mm. thing you threw into it that was the kicker was, is, and this is something I've learned from a lot of people that I've worked with, mentors and everything, is to stop selling to poor people, man. You went where the people had money, where they had influence, and where they had a heart. You know, where they weren't there to take advantage of you, they were there to lift you up. And I, I think that was just brilliant. So then from there, you started to, I mean, the people that you got on your show, I mean, time and time again, you just over deliver with awesome guests. And I know that's all relationship based as well. I mean, you've gone to conferences, you speak at a lot of conferences. One of the things I was thinking about as I was prepping for this is, you know, I speak to you speak. And I think the reason that we're so comfortable doing this talking, um, getting up on stage is because it doesn't matter whether you're sitting behind a drum set playing guitar, singing, whatever. You can stand up in front of a thousand people because you're confident in what you do. And you know your shit. You can talk to anybody about it. That's right. how that works. Exactly. It's the a same. lot of people that don't have the background yet. Mm-hmm. And they're sort of, in quotes, they're coaches. Right. Go, well, you know, uh, we just had an event called Thrive. And I would say six of the speakers, the, the second before they were supposed to walk on in front of whatever, 800 people, turned to me and said, hey, by the way, I'm not going to do the thing that I said I was going to do. <laughs> I, yeah. had this whole, like, I had this whole intro that I was ready you know, for. They're like, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. Um, and they just would go out and grab the mic and do you know, 40 minutes. And that's when you know that they know what they're doing. Right. You know? um, and at the same time, that was my challenge to go, okay, now I have nine seconds between the handing of the mic and being in the front and center to introduce this person on something that I have no idea what they're doing now. So now I have to figure out how to, to do that. Um, but that only, all of that only happens if you're, like you said, if you're confident in your delivery and what you're sharing. And I think too many people are maybe starting businesses that they, you know, for reasons that they think, oh, this will be successful because versus this is the stuff I know. Right. And that's the, I think the challenge. Um, one of the tricks, by the way, of that, barbitrage and really any networking or conferencing event is to be able to answer the question, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And that's a challenge for people because they haven't really fully thought, you know, thought it through yet. So uh, my buddy Clay Hebert has a a six word intro, Mm -hmm. which which gives you a nice template, which is, um, I help people that blank do blank. Right. You know, that's kind of, that's how you frame it. So I can say something like, I help other unemployable people like myself learn to take their skills and their hobbies and turn them into a business. So that's like a pretty succinct way to answer what I am good at. And my, my more, 
um, what's the right word? My more uh, the other thing I can answer is um, I'm a professional head spinner. That's something I answer a lot. Provocative is the word I was looking for. There you I'm go. A provocative answer mm-hmm. is I'm a professional head spinner. And someone goes, well, what does that mean? And then I can say, well, I, you know, after a few minutes of talking to people, I often leave them with their head spinning. How do you do that? And then you sort of get into a conversation right. with them. It depends yeah. on the environment. Cool. Totally makes sense. It is cool. So, Michael, man, great, great stuff. I really appreciate you and your time. And I know you've got a lot of insight, man. You've got courses. You've got solo labs. What is the best thing that people can use to kind of follow along with what you're doing and, and grow their relationships with people like we're talking about? Well, you, you were talking earlier about Conference Topia. I think that's probably a really good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conference is after going to a ton of conferences and seeing that there was a lot of opportunity for people to make connections and start building relationships and they and they weren't doing it, uh, I said, all right, let me see if I can quantify some of this stuff in a course. Didn't didn't you take it? I did take it and I loved it. And the yeah. thing, thing that I've seen in a lot of these places, and I talked about it a little earlier too, was, you know, I mean, I ingested myself into the conference. I mean, I got in there and worked the conference, met people. And, you know, also one of the things you talk about is planning before, during, and after. And, you know, I made yeah. a I made a plan that these are the people I want to talk to. These are the people that are on the list that are going to be speaking. I want to spend time with them and set a relationship with them, get their Facebook friendship so that we can continue the conversation and then keep working on that kind of stuff afterwards. So, uh, yeah, no, loved it. I mean, it was spot on, dude. Yeah, and I, I'm glad. I'm glad you got that out of it because it's you. I feel like a lot of people are spending a bunch of money to get to these places, and they're not getting they're not getting as much as they could have from the experience. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's why I created it. So it's at, it's at conferencetopia.com. So conference and then T O P I A. And then if you are any sort of podcaster or a uh, or you want to be a better conversationalist in real life, I have a, a, a new thing that I'm super proud of called The Art of the Interview. And uh, it's a it's it's the best course I've ever seen. <laughs> and I know I'm, I'm slightly biased, but but I did a couple things in it that I've never seen before. One one being that you can consume it whatever way you decide. So if you like to watch videos, I've got a full video version of it. If you like to just listen, I recorded a completely unique separate podcast version of the whole course. And I also did an ebook version. So you can read it on your Kindle or your Apple iBook or whatever. And so you can consume it any way you want in any venue you want to, which I've never seen before. And then I took a, I, I did a case study through my toughest interview, which was a guy uh, named Michael Gerber who wrote the E-Myth Revisited. Mm-hmm. And it was a really brutal interview. And um, I did a director's commentary through it. So I have this whole like hour-long thing where you hear me, uh, okay, I'm going to ask him this, and he's going to come back to me with this. And, you know, so it's I'd never seen that before. So um, I did it, you know, I really pulled out all the stops. I tried not to cut any corners with it. So it's shot in really great video with good lighting and you know, uh, all the gear. So, and I, I, I think it's going to be super helpful. I've had people, I've had some feedback that has been really incredible. So I hope that people dig it. Yeah. So Mike, uh, if people want to get a hold of you, what is the best way for them to do that or even just follow you? Um, I think probably everything's at solo hour, S O L O H O U R. And so all, all the social media and, and, uh, solo is all there as well. 
Perfect, man. Well, this has been a blast. My brother from another mother, musician, podcaster, you know, all the same things. You just happen to have a little longer road at it than I do, man. But I'm, um, you know, I love listening to you. I love talking to you. This has been a blast. I really appreciate you and your time, man. Thanks, Brian, man. I really appreciate it as well. Well, that's it for today's Bacon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something today. If you did, please go to iTunes and give us a review. We appreciate all your feedback and comments. If you have any questions, go to www.baconpodcast.com forward slash questions, and we'll make sure we get those answered for you. Till next time, keep sizzling. Keep sizzling.